Hey everyone, and welcome to Behind the Bee Box. I'm your host, Sherry, and I'll be interviewing passionate, courageous people who love what they're doing and are on top of their game. I want to share their journeys, lessons, and tips with you. We also discuss different facets of workplace culture and leadership. Plus, we'll dive a little deeper into thought-provoking topics we think you'll love. I truly hope it makes a positive difference to your life, workplace, or business. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, I hope you've had a great week so far. In this episode, I speak with Susie Hopkins, who I actually met on LinkedIn. We bonded over our passion for health and well-being, particularly for how it can improve how people feel in the workplace. In this episode, she speaks to us about the impact that meditation has had on her life, uh, some of her personal challenges moving from a full-time job to being a business owner, and the work that she's doing to help others in the workplace. Thanks so much for listening in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And I guess one of the main things that has shaped me is probably who my folks are. So my dad was a doctor and my mum was a nurse, and so I did nursing. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm that nurturer, I'm a, a carer, and um, I'm a mother. Uh, but in terms of my career, um, I've worked in a lot of nursing settings, uh, but mainly in paediatrics, uh, in children, with children, uh, with children. Yeah. And I think um, alongside that, though, I was always doing some yoga since my early twenties. I did my first beginners course in my early twenties, which is um, more than 25 years ago so I guess I've combined those two things to create Lilo so it's very much about nurturing um, but it's also about uh, and well-being but it's also about it's about stress management but it's about awareness because when we cultivate more self-awareness and more awareness of the science. Yeah. And also awareness of where we're at and where we'd like to be, and therefore we can sort of make a plan of, of what steps we can take. So I guess, yeah, it's combined quite a few things. Mm. Where, where I'm at now is like a combination of a or lot a that has things, come yeah. before that. So yeah, I, I studied yoga for a long time before I did yoga teacher training. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I guess that when I did my yoga teacher training, that's when I had a really, really massive shift. And I think that that's just about dose mm. in terms of you get you do a lot of practice in a short amount of time. And so it, um, it really increases your progress. When did you start teaching? Uh, about seven years ago. So, yeah. yeah, so I did my yoga teacher training eight years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really like that you've combined what you were doing before in terms of that nurturing element from being a nurse and having grown up, you know, with your parents being a doctor and a nurse mm. um, and creating Lilo, this business. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Lilo Wellness? Sure. So we teach people how to manage stress and develop more awareness. And we do so in workplaces, but also one-on-one. Um, and, and not just workplaces, other organisations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so $15 billion is spent on workplace stress. That's the estimate for in Australia. And I think that what's become really apparent to me, though, is that it's not just stress in the workplace, from, from the workplace. It is relevant. We live in a time that is, uh, you know, People believe there's unprecedented levels of stress in these times, but also mental health problems. And stress obviously plays into mental health problems. Um, So it came about because I had such enormous shifts when I sort of made sense of um, the power of 
mindful awareness is like just the biggest game changer for me in terms of my own mental health. I used to suffer from really bad depression and anxiety and when I started meditating you know regularly like most days after about a year or so I just experienced the biggest shift and, and I did my yoga teacher training around that time as well and honestly I just was like oh my god it's really actually not that complex and the interesting thing is that nobody else was really talking about it back mm. like seven years ago mindfulness was not really in that sort of in that like, it wasn't that a mainstream right yeah at all um and so yeah it was it was like this stuff is really not that complicated, but it's being explained in a way that it doesn't resonate with a lot of people. So that was how it sort of started. Um, and But the, the interesting thing was, so I it started because I had such a shift in my mental health, but it was after I'd started the business that I had so much um, opportunity to really put what I was talking about into practice because yeah. of situational stress. So my life yeah. changed a lot after I started the business. And and that has really, I guess, shaped how it's progressed. Yeah. Um, so can you talk to us about, so you said that once you started meditating, mm. you just noticed that dramatic change in how you were feeling. Can you talk about some of those changes in what it was doing for you in terms of how you were feeling and sure. how different it was to before you started practicing because sure. I think a lot of people often with things that with anything actually if you're not doing it consistently I find that it doesn't you don't feel the impacts mm. versus if you're just doing something small every single day you see that you see the changes mm. quite quickly because you're doing it consecutively yeah um so yeah i'd be keen to hear how you were how it actually affected how you were feeling given you were suffering from anxiety and depression before you you know incorporated that into your life yeah sure i mean the biggest by far the biggest thing for me was the negative self-talk stopped wow how <laughs> <laughs> i know right i mean i remember on a Friday evening, being so head up and out of sorts that I would have to go out and buy a couple of ciders and a packet of cigarettes. And I would just have two drinks and maybe one or two cigarettes and then I'd be fine. Yeah. But like I, I had, you know, really pretty significant mental health issues and and it would be a really negative voice in my head saying bad stuff and feeling physically very uneasy as well. I mean, that's just one thing that I remember. There were other times, social anxiety, where I found myself locked in toilets. And, and this happened over a really long time, you yeah. know, not knowing how to cope. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it just went away. It was like a switch was flipped. It was phenomenal. And it hasn't returned. So it kind of overnight, like obviously not after your first session of meditating, no. but kind of just all of a sudden one day you noticed you didn't, you weren't hearing those voices. You weren't feeling as anxious in social settings and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it went from, um, a significant amount of negative self-talk to very, very, very little. And if there's an inkling of it, I'm just like, yeah, that's that. That's yeah. that thing, and it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, yeah. But but I have I it's it's gone from like mental health is so interesting because you can feel very down and very anxious about seemingly nothing particular in that situation, and there might be good reason for it. Oh, you know that you've accrued over a lifetime for what for genetic reasons and um, you know early childhood stuff as well, particularly. Um, but there's nothing, you feel anxious and there's nothing particularly making you anxious in that moment and it's bloody horrible. Um, mm. so and it can then, kind of creep up on you even though there's nothing, there's no particular event that's happened for you to feel that way. It can just, it just sort of comes. Yeah, feeling mm. nervous about nothing is really crappy. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, but, yeah, so I think... Um, what that does is it just means that you think more clearly. You don't have an added layer of, you know, 
what do people think of me, like, uh, and issues with self-esteem and, but also just really like, I mean, just even the fact that I was willing to give it a try and start my own thing, I wouldn't have had the confidence to do that in the past. Like, I've always had a reasonably successful career. I've done really interesting things along the way and it's been good, but it's never been great. And I think that a lot of that was because I wasn't living to my full potential. I, and I had very little self-awareness, actually. Mm. So I went from somebody who had pretty severe mental health issues. I'd done a lot of counselling. So I'd worked on these things a lot, mm. but um, I was using substances to self-medicating, I, I see now, to make myself feel better. Um, and to, yeah, to, and also not being organised. And now it's completely different. Like mm -hmm. I am organised, I, I feel like I've got clarity, I can think more clearly, I can, I don't know, I just believe in what I'm, in, in my own ability to perform and, you know, I'm still, there's always things that you need to develop your confidence in if you're new to them or yep, whatever, but yeah. complete game changer. I'm wow. really organised. I'm yeah. really tidy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> were you a, a messy person before? Yeah, totally. <laughs> things like, you know, my, I, I just, I don't have that handbag that's full of stuff and yeah. I don't, like, have nice underwear and <laughs> yeah. yeah I think it comes with that clarity of mind where right? you're just like what do I need what am I doing and, yeah. and I'm not quite like I've cleared out the clutter in my mind and in my yeah. home and yeah oh that's so great to hear yeah. um so I'm curious to know you mentioned that 15 billion dollar number before yeah. which was what it's costing workplaces um to manage people who are stressed or maybe can you speak about what yeah. that, where that dollar dollars from is? What sure. I'm about. So yeah. it's to do with absenteeism. Yeah. Presenteeism, which is people are present but they're not. They're not really present. There. They're yeah. not really doing what's expected of them at their workplace. But staff turnover is huge, and then of course there's things like claims and stress uh -huh. leave. So there's lots of things that contribute to that figure. Um, and uh, what are you doing? So in terms of the stress management side for your business what are you doing now like what are some of the things that you're going into workplaces and helping people out with sure so obviously meditations would be a huge one are there any other tools yeah. or tips that you're so um, I run workshops yeah and um and workshop series mm -hmm. because one isn't going to cut it really so yeah. I provide people with information, but also the idea of a series is that you provide people with opportunity to develop skills. So there's lots of things that feed into stress and, and we talk to workplaces about the things that they can do as an organisation because it's not just up to the individual to manage stress. It's about creating a positive workplace culture and giving people a sense of control over their workload. And, you know, there's, there's a lot that you can do. Um, but in terms of, you know, that we can also have a significant impact as individuals on our own stress levels and, you know, the things that are good for us, eating well, sleep is paramount and exercise, uh, you know, the really key things. But also things like human connection, being in nature mm. and, and how we spend our R&R &R and fostering um, uh, meaningful connection but and also hobbies hobbies are great and then we have this whole range of practices that are particularly good for lowering our stress levels and you know including meditation and yoga but also just relaxation techniques that aren't so much to do with cultivating more mindful awareness mm -hmm. breathing techniques that sort of thing and what people are drawn to is going to vary so I like to give people you know this is what the evidence says reduces stress give people an opportunity to try a few different things um, but at the end of the day it's pretty clear that mindfulness and that so we have formal mindfulness practices which mm -hmm. are sitting down and doing something that helps us be more mindful yeah. and practicing that or informal mindfulness practices where we're just practicing being more mindful as we go about our business. 
is just about one of the most positive uh, powerful things you can do yeah to so stress. one of the questions that i had which was really curious about was some of the research and i know you just touched on it but i was keen to hear what is the research saying about these tips and tools that you're sharing sure. with people so the really cool thing is like you know, if you're a meditator or you do yoga and you're a, a convert, mm. then you don't need the science to tell you that they help you manage stress. But for a lot of people, it's sort of in a category of, of a way of living that doesn't appeal. And so I do teach people about what the science says. And the big, the big change now is that we have what's called functional MRIs, so an MRI scan which can scan different parts of the brain. Right. They can now look at um, blood flow in the brain and what parts of the brain are active or not active when you're doing certain activities. And it's a little harder to do this if you're talking about exercise because you can't be in an MRI machine and exercise, but you can practice mindfulness and be in an MRI machine. Yeah. So what has become clear or is becoming clear, I, I should say, because I don't like to overstate the evidence, um, is that so the amygdala, the fear or fight flight center in the brain in very simplistic neuroscientific terminology, um, settles when we do mindfulness practices mm. and that's like the part sorry to interrupt no. but that's like the part of the brain um that basically freaks out before you get on stage because it your body's like telling you that you're in survival mode when really all you're doing is getting up in front of a bunch of people so exactly in that situation something like mindfulness yeah. could yeah. help yeah exactly yeah so um yeah but it's 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 complex but after yeah, I've just eight fully weeks. simplified that. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. But after eight weeks, yep. it appears that, and, and we always say it appears because, you know, the scientific community has to replicate something for 20 years before they will say this is fact, right? Oh, wow. So yeah. it's it very strongly appears that the amygdala actually shrinks over time. So just like our muscles get bigger the more we use them, the, the amygdala gets bigger the more we use it, yeah. the more it's active. Yes. Um, and it shrinks after as little as 10 minutes a day of formal mindfulness practice for eight weeks. Oh, my gosh. There is some evidence to, to show that that's the case. And, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a profound thing because when the amygdala... See, when the amygdala is more active, it, it's like stress begets stress it's more primed to be more active. And the more we can do practices that settle it down, the less reactive it becomes. And over time, it appears to shrink. And when the amygdala is active, other parts of the brain that are essential for functioning well mm. um, don't work as well. So this is what so these functional MRIs are showing us. This is just a tiny little bit of the neuroscience. But That's so interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. And so executive function, this part of the brain here, the prefrontal cortex, which we need for complex problem solving, for relating to others more easily and well, uh, which is so important when it comes to stress management and performing well, uh, because we can tune in to other people mm. better when our prefrontal cortex and other parts of the brain work better. Yeah. So... That makes so much sense. Do you feel like as you were uh, as you were introduced to meditation and as you started, cause, because you sort of, you, I think you mentioned that you started this after your business, after you started your own business. Started meditating? Um, no, you, Lilo. Did, yeah. you, did you start meditating before that? Oh, yeah, well before. Oh, well, well, well before. before. Yeah. And that's why you, yeah, that's why you introduced it into what you're teaching oh, people absolutely. now. It's, yeah. the, it's the key it's so, the main thing. Yeah. So I was I was curious to know going from what you were doing before mm. and then deciding to start your own business, how was that transition and what did you what did you do to help yourself 
through those times where you'll have ups, you'll have downs, you'll need to learn new things. What are some of the differences that you found from going full-time work to not necessarily not full-time work, work it was working, work. working for, yeah, 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 working yeah, yeah. for yourself? Yeah. So the transition for me was a very particular time in my life. So I had a baby on my own, so I did IVF on my own and had a baby on my own. So I, and it was after that, I didn't want to go back to full-time work because I wanted to spend more time with my son. Um, and I'd also planned for that, so I had some savings. Yes. And so that that's the key, that's the key to transitioning to your own business oh, is you need 100%. savings because you don't have a regular income. That's the biggest change. Yeah. And yes. don't underestimate how long it takes to build things up to the point where you can start paying yourself a reasonable amount of money. Yeah. So that would be the biggest tip. Oh, I agree as well. <laughs> Save. Yeah. The other thing is um, I, I built up very slowly. But that was mainly because that was situational. So I wanted my, my son started doing just a little bit of care here and there and then we built up slowly. But then things got really complicated because my, um, my around, it's been tricky from the start with my son. So how much, I was just under a lot of stress because he ended up actually with a, an autism diagnosis last year. Mm-hmm. So he, things were tricky when he was really little, but they got really, really, really tricky when he was a toddler. So mm-hmm. I haven't been able to put anywhere near as much energy into Lilo as I would have liked at the speed I would have liked. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it wasn't a smooth transition. Um, And I think you always, well, I feel like when you're stepping into something new and you have something in mind, and as with life, you have something in mind that's going to happen. And as life goes, it's not always what you plan it out to be in exactly that way, right? No. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And having a child hasn't been, you know, like, oh, that's like, that's like, (laughs) that is like your round the clock job being a mum, right? Yeah. But that's what I mean by, like, it's really interesting to me to reflect on, you know, I started this business to help people really with mental health issues mm-hmm. um, because they're just a part of life for so many of us and there is a lot we can do about it. And then it became stress management because that's what people sort of talk about. I'm stressed. So life is so stressful and in mm. the workplace, work stress. But it's really much more than that, actually. But it's just sort of that's an entry point. But then what ended up happening is that it became so clear to me how important it was for me to manage my stress levels as a woman who's a parent trying to juggle work, but also trying to juggle as a woman is so common that we're juggling caring for others much more than just being a parent, whether it be a child with special needs or whether it be caring for elderly parents or both, as it's been for me, um, or, you know, even caring for siblings with serious mental health problems or whatever it is, there's often big stress in life that is preventing you from being able to fully show up in your work And I'm particularly passionate about people who are working in roles where they want to have a big impact. Mm -hmm. And so if you can't, like if you're just keeping your head above water outside of work and you don't have strategies for dealing with that, then the impact that you're going to be able to have in the work that you're doing is going to be really diminished. And so that's become something that I'm really passionate about Mm -hmm. because of my own circumstances. Yeah, of course. And one of the questions I like to ask people is about their challenges and what they're you know, what they're doing to overcome them or just work through them. Mm-hmm. I think you've touched on it a yeah. little bit, given like you're juggling so many things, you know, you're a mum, you're doing Lilo, you know, you're taking, you're taking care of parents and things like this. What are some of the tools or do you want to talk to us about what have been some of your challenges and what you're doing um, for the purpose of an audience who might be going through something similar who would really value your insight and what you're doing to help yourself be much more than just having your head above water. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I when I go into a workplace or even working one-on-one with somebody, I'm very clear about the fact that having no stress is not 
realistic for most of us, especially if we want to do things that challenge us. Mm. Um, and that's not really the goal. Not all stress is bad. And don't think for a moment that your yoga teachers and your meditation teachers are just so, you know, stress-free and... Like there are certain situations so chill. (laughs) They kind of got to turn up like that. Yeah, and you know they do have lots of skills, and so they probably are managing things that might topple some people with more ability to handle handle things. So, but somebody here said, uh, "This is at our my co-working space." Said. Do you ever get stressed? And I laughed. Mm. (laughs) It was at a really stressful time, and it's like there are certain situations that no amount of meditation, yoga, or anything else will make you stress-free. However, I can't for the life of me imagine how I would have gotten through the last few years without regular meditation. Just Mm. priority number one is like keep it up, Mm. find a way to do it, and just do it. And just on that, you know how you were saying just 10 minutes every morning? Every day. Every day. Whenever you can. Yeah, every day. (laughs) Whenever you can. Every day. Um, How would people... So if they want to do 10-minute meditation, what does that look like? Do they just Google 10-minute meditation? Do they sit there and breathe for 10 minutes? Like, what's your... Where do you get started? Yeah. How do you start if someone's like, okay, I can do 10 minutes, but what does that mean? Like, apps are great. Okay, apps. Yep. A course is even better. Yeah. Um, Working with somebody who's further along the road, like uh, along that path than you, is just totally invaluable. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, some apps that are great are Smiling Mind, but my favourite probably is Insight Timer. There's a lot on there that's quite new age, but there's a lot on there that's not. It's thousands of meditation teachers and it's free. Yeah. And it's amazing. You can just okay, I'll put search. the link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I have some meditations on there if people are Ooh, interested. Okay, in excellent. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just like yeah, buy a buy a book. I mean, the the book that really changed my life was The Miracle of Mindfulness by Thich Nhat Hanh, and it, it, it's a Buddhist. It's got it's mindfulness from a Buddhist perspective. He was a Buddhist monk. Yeah, is a Buddhist monk. Sorry, yeah. um, and. Yeah, I, I guess just saturate yourself with finding out more about it. Listen to podcast. There's another great podcast called Hurry Slowly, which is about all things to do with mindful awareness. Mm. I love that name. It's great. Jocelyn K. Gly is, is behind that one. Yeah. Great newsletter, great podcasts. Just, yeah, I, I once I started to really appreciate the power of this stuff I just couldn't get enough podcasts guided meditations books Mm. you know just really the the most difficult thing with doing meditation and being mindful throughout your day is remembering and and developing new habits yeah so uh, one little tip that I use not so much for meditation because that is a habit now but just daily rituals uh, you know, I think you mentioned that mm. before. Um, having a little tick sheet mm. so that you've got it somewhere, like it's on my wardrobe next to where my neck exercises are from the physio mm. to remind yeah. me to do them. I've got a ridiculous amount of daily rituals that I try and do every day, yeah. including like gratitude practice and yeah. whatever. Yeah. But having a little tick sheet so you can see how many times you actually are doing something a week. Yes. It's really like powerful. Putting it in your calendar. Putting it in your calendar, having yeah. post-it notes yeah. to remind you to just, just take a few nice, big, slow, deep breaths Yeah. when you're waiting for the microwave, when you're in front of a red light, waiting mm. for the kettle. If you attach things to something else that you're ordinarily already doing, that's a really good way to build habits. Yes. It reminds me of... Um, Atomic habits. That's one of the yes, things that he says. Absolutely. So, for example, it could be like brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. You're every day you're going to brush your teeth. Twice a day you're brushing your teeth. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, you should maybe put a post-it note there or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so, so you started. You said meditation, and right. then you were going, and then I interrupted you. Well, before. just daily rituals. Daily rituals. Yeah. But sleep. 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 We live in a society where sleep is um, totally abused if you for want of a better word it's like people don't appreciate just how bad for you it is not getting enough sleep it's really really bad for us you know like you die sooner um like really um and 
you just know we're near as effective and it affects your mental health and your physical health and yeah there's a great TED talk the main one that comes up if you google TED talks and sleep I can't remember the name of the fellow off the top of my head oh is does he talk about um Alzheimer's as well and the research behind that and the links to sleep or it's different no it's different but he opens with Guys, just brace yourself because he opens with some really scary information about um, male physiology and the effects of sleep, uh, of not enough sleep. So ideally we should get between seven and nine hours. Most people need eight to nine. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, so it's genetic. Okay. Uh, Or you're... I don't know, it must be mainly genetic, but basically how much sleep you need is very individual and you really need to experiment. And if you want to try and get more sleep, it's all very well to just go to bed earlier, but if you're used to going to bed late, then you won't just go to sleep. So they suggest 15-minute increments going backwards for a few days at a time, but also really preparing for sleep. So having a ritual that lets your body know that you're about to go to bed like even closing all the sh- the blinds and and what have you mm. well before it's dark in the middle of summer yeah um and maybe having a warm shower making sure you're off your screens for an hour i was about to say is netflix a, a ritual yeah <laughs> well you know if you've got your blue light turned off or your goggles on then it yeah. might, that's not ideal it's actually it's not just the blue light from screens it's actually how active your, your brain, brain has huh? to be yeah. reading it's just about the best good. thing you can do oh, just yeah. before sleep, meditation. Yeah. 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 I find um, I'm definitely more on like the eight and a half. So when you said eight to nine, I was like, I always felt like that was a lot of sleep, like maybe too much. Is there such thing as too much? There actually is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what happens, like, do you know anything about what happens there? Uh, exactly the same as what happens if you don't get enough. Oh, However... Okay. I haven't really looked into it that much because it's so rare. rare. Like, who's, who's oversleeping out there? I want to know. It's so rare in our society yeah. for most of us, unless you're depressed or you're a teenager and they actually need, they need. more sleep. Yeah. Um, or and, and younger what children. about catching up? Is that, that's catching a up thing. is fine. Yeah, catching it's up over fine. the weekends and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about over oh. the weekends, but, like, during the day, like a nap. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not ideal to catch up. I don't think. Okay, cause because that's probably falling the, into the, the oversleeping. Oh, but also the golden rule is regularity. Okay. Going to bed at the same time and getting Like, that is, I shouldn't probably mention that first. That's, like, right up there as yeah. one of the most important things you can do to have good sleep. Yeah. Because then the tricky thing is as well, then I get people, it's like, well, I, but I can't sleep. So, you know, am I going to die young? Like, you know, like, yes, and I've been like this forever. And it's like, well, you know. Calm down. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there is a lot you can do to promote, like, to get through periods where you can't sleep well. Mm. But you have to be very, you know, particular about it and intentional. Mm. So go to and the Sleep Australian Sleep Foundation website. Mm-hmm. There's fact sheets on every type of sleep disturbance problem you might have. And you might need to read a few of them before you work out what's going on for you. But you can also go to sleep psychologists and um, sleep physicians as well. Yeah. So I would absolutely recommend that you prioritise sleep, educate yourself about sleep. For most of us, it's really just about prioritising it. But for some of us, especially as we get older, um, it can be tricky to stay asleep go to sleep or stay asleep so yeah you need to address that yeah yeah don't just accept it as the status quo as a that's just how i am yeah 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 when you have a young children then you learn to prioritize sleep but and value sleep but if you have a um child with special needs who just doesn't sleep from like 1 p.m on 1 a.m onwards uh, for, for weeks on end then you really start to value sleep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love my sleep. Um, and even just seeing, like, when people have, like, young kids, you, you see how much the... Like, you see the effects of not having sleep. It's just really obvious. Even even a night where you lose, like, a few hours, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really curious about sleep. I had another question. I don't know if you know Go the answer it. to it. I do teach people about sleep. So oh, yeah. okay. Oh, love it. Because so, that's so important for stress management. Yeah, wow. Okay, so I was wondering as well, you know how there's different phases of sleep? Mm-hmm. If you... Uh, so say you... Um, 
go to bed maybe between like 10 and 11 every night mm. and then you wake up between let's just say 6 30 7 30 around that time is there um do you feel different if you wake up in a different part or different phase of your sleep is there are you meant to wake up at a certain phase of your sleep because sometimes i'm talking from my personal experience sometimes i'll go to bed at the same time but when i wake up it's like my body is in shock from waking up like i feel like someone has like i feel like i should not be awake because i mean i feel like i'm in such deep sleep but other times i feel like it was okay for me to wake up. Like my Do you body mean with an different. alarm? With an or, alarm, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, w- we should ideally be trying to wake up naturally, right? So absolutely, if you're not ready to wake up, then, yeah, it, it feels horrible, right? Mm. So I remember... I cannot wake up naturally. I need the alarm. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Otherwise getting yourself, wake up late. Your, your body will be used to waking up. Like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, most of us will need an alarm just to make sure, but you're going to be closer to your natural waking time the more it feels okay, right? Yeah. If you're used to waking up at 7 o'clock and you've got your alarm set for 5, absolutely you will be woken from a really deep sleep, right? Yeah. And it will be much harder to wake up yeah. and you'll need that coffee much sooner, sooner and stronger and more right? yeah. yeah so i mean i've heard i've just recently watched totally off topic but um mm. what's it called morning wars which is yeah. about an early morning show it's so great you should morning watch wars. it it's, okay okay it's about the me too stuff and, and oh. it's really interesting okay where can we where can we find it <laughs> on apple plus oh, jennifer okay. aniston and reese with the spoon oh okay yep. so but and they talk about in the research that they did the people who have to wake up at 3.30, like every single morning presenter that they interviewed to, to research for the show was like, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's hell having to wake up at 3.30 every morning. It's really bad for us. And we know that. It feels horrible. Yeah, you can feel it. in Any, like, early flight, I'm just like, do I have to do that? Until quite recently, it was a bit of a badge of honour if you just had five hours and you worked till 11 o'clock at night and got up at four o'clock in the morning. And it's like, and Ariana Huffington has been, like, a big reason for that, this shifting, because she Mm. burnt out and um, is a sleep advocate, a a sleep evangelist, Mm. as am I, like, Mm. because the effects of not having enough sleep are absolutely terrible for us Mm. I remember I did um and Thrive is her book as well that talks about her journey and her Mm. story Mm. but when I did this um one of the Thrive workshops I remember they did this activity where they were showing um I can't remember how they did it but they basically did an activity that showed that your reduced sleep reduces your IQ throughout the day Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. um and I just I think people are only realising now yeah. how important it is with with people actually speaking up about how important sleep is. Yeah. Um, so on, on another topic, mornings. For people who are not morning people, yeah. I need like that extra coffee, just that, that little help to wake up. I was really keen to, because I'm, like, I'm not a big morning person. I do, I get up because I have to get up early. But do you have any techniques or like, because you're a yoga teacher as well, do you have any techniques to help the like blood flow and like make you feel a little bit more awake in the morning is there such a thing or did i just know there are there are i don't know like in the work that i do with lilo i talk about evidence-based practices yeah so i don't know whether this is evidence-based so i'll just qualify that yeah 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 but i mean i think one of the best poses um I'm, I'm not going to do it if that's okay. <laughs> oh, you don't have to do it. No, no, no. That is Just so talk, a variation on yeah. warrior one, which I couldn't explain to people. So yeah. you do a lunge. Yeah. And then you can either take your hands up high. Yeah. You can also, I can show you this, so a pistol grip and take your hands up high and that yeah. will really give you more of a stretch. So uh, a lunge. Yes. So that, and then that and, that and looking up. And or you can just have your hands on your hips and look up, and that is a really good. Um, it's a really good stretch for your vagus nerve, 
and your vagal nerve tone. So the vagus nerve is one of your um, cranial nerves and it wraps itself around nearly every organ in the body and is really, really important for stress management. Okay. So it's very relevant to, we've got the fight-flight response, which is relevant to being stressed, and we've also got a relaxation response and they're mutually exclusive. So when we're relaxed, we can't be stressed and when we're stressed, we can't be relaxed. And, And so... It's very stimulating for the vagal nerve, which is what we want, and it's also a backbend, and backbends are energising. Ah, okay. There you go. Okay, I like that one. I yeah. know that one, the warrior pose. So, do. so it's like a lower... So if I think about people who would do a normal gym lunge, I'd say it's a bit wider. Yeah, it's a lower. wide lunge. Yeah. Um, and look, for... A variation is just to make it a lunge. I mean, you know, what your feet are doing in a warrior one is a bit different, but it's a variation on warrior one. You can just do a lunge and take your arms up and really feel into that and stretch and breathe a few times and... I'm going to try and see if I feel I know. I'll be interested to hear. (laughs) Yeah, cool, because not everything, like, as you said, people need to study things and prove it so many times, whereas, you know, just experiment and try different things Mm -hmm. and see how you feel after doing it. So backbends. Backbends are good, and, um, you know, stretches are good. But if you can... Oh, the other thing is cold water. So that's really good. Weirdly enough, I don't know... What the research on this is. Well, I always wash my face with a really cold face washer. So you don't necessarily have to do the full shower. Yeah. It depends. If I've worked out, I might do a cold shower. Yeah. But if I haven't, I'm too cold, then... I'm a wuss. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that it, um, increases vagal nerve tone, weirdly enough. So, what does that mean? So that's what I was saying. The vagus oh, okay. nerve is really important for the relaxation so response. It so, stimulates. Yeah, it stimulates it. it. So okay. it's, it makes it work well and stimulates it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like the face, the face wash. <laughs> um, so you know how you see people with ice? Oh, Putting their yes. face in ice. So it, it, it wakes you up, but in a quite a calming Calming way, not in a shock, horrible. I mean, I guess cold water does give you a shock, but it's enlivening as opposed to sort of exhausting. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think I forgot his name, but there was this guy on YouTube who did this crazy thing where he tried to in, like um, embed all of these habits or these amazing habits, like being a morning person, doing yoga, yada, yada, breathing. And then he had the cold showers in there. And he was just like, that was one thing that I just, I think he was like, that was one thing that I just could not do. But then there was this other guy who I think invented this whole cold shower thing where you get, you do it so many times where you don't even flinch with cold water. So you develop, I don't know how, like your brain just develops this, immunity towards that shock because usually what happens is if you're not used to it and you go under you you almost like hyperventilate a little bit you're like (gasps) yeah your just body goes into shock but he he talks about how doing it so often he's just like stepping in and you don't even flinch so um was it treatment for depression cold water therapy Ah. is a treatment of evidence-based treatment for depression there you go i didn't even know that yeah and it's meant to be done in a specific way or i don't know that much about it but i you know swimming in cold water this is not just i don't think it's just a shower shower i think it's being fully immersed yeah oh wow so um yeah the other thing that sort of just what made me think of this is I, I saw it on a program that was all about evidence-based strategies for treating mental health issues yeah. without using medication. Yeah. So, and that and that's why I know it's evidence-based because they talked about the evidence around that, which made me think also of a, a show that's on at the moment. So people might want to check it out. Yeah. It's on SBS. It's um, trust me, I'm a doctor. Okay. But they yeah. did an experiment where they compared yoga, mindfulness, yeah. and gardening. For stress management, and they actually measured cortisol, which is a stress hormone in the blood, mm-hmm. and mindfulness was easily the one that made the biggest difference. Wow! So yeah, that's worth checking out. I'm definitely yeah. I'll put yeah. that in the show notes as well. That sounds really good. And that's a series. No, it's just one just experiment one that they did, but yeah. it was very. I mean, it's small numbers always in the, those sorts of shows. Yeah, but um. Look, People can check it out and yeah. make up their own mind. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so another question I had for you was, what are you really proud of? I am 
really proud of where I'm at really right now because yeah I've been through the ringer <laughs> yeah it's yeah. been like I am really shocked by how hard it is having a child a preschooler who has a um, neurodevelopmental disorder and just how incredibly challenging that is day to day and I think that you know, we all know people who are in that situation and we, I think that there's a tendency because people just get on with things to not really appreciate how stressful that can be for people. And we're winning now, but when things were tough, things were very, very, very tough in day to day in terms of very difficult behaviour, total sleep deprivation um, and, yeah, just isolation. And I think that it... I'm just proud that we've gotten to a point where we're we're winning in terms mm. of where he's at. And he's the most beautiful kid in the whole wide world, mm. but it's been really tough. So, yeah, I'm proud of where I'm up to with this journey with my business and where I'm up to with this journey with my Being my mom. other baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. That's a massive thing to be proud of, mm-hmm. and so you should be. Yeah. For people who um, might not know about dealing with children, you know, or managing or helping mm. in social environments, especially kids, mm. um, you know, what kind of advice would you give? Because I think growing up for me, and this was a, like a long time ago now, mm. but kids aren't really educated about you know, just different kind of kids. Mm. Um, so what, for pe- for new parents or people who have kids who are maybe going to primary school and high school, so that kids, you know, who are on the spectrum or, you know, they might have a disability or anything, how do we educate or what can we tell people to do more of to help others feel more included and just welcome in environments where they might be feeling different mm. and might be feeling lonely in their situation. Yeah. Um, I think it's just about being really, talking really frankly and openly and, like, I don't know. It, so the way I talk to my son about it is that, you know, mm-hmm. you've got a brain that works differently to lots of other people. Lots of people have a brain that works like yours, but, but um, mm-hmm. there's more people that have a brain that works differently to yours. Um, And it's like, I don't know, it's like normalising it and having conversations about, like, it's it's like with a physical disability. Yes, some people, you know, only have three arms. Whatever it is, it's like making it normal and just Mm -hmm. about biology and about difference. And, you know, I, I always say your brain does some things incredibly well and then it really struggles with other things. And just talking about it in really plain English, Mm. normalising it, Having not being afraid to have conversations about it mm. is paramount. I think that's a bit. I think that's a really big one because I I feel like people, and I think part of it is education. Like when you're not educated about it, people might feel worried to say the wrong thing, or they're just not comfortable because they don't know what they what what it is that they're actually saying. So, if you see parents with kids who are having a meltdown, yeah, don't judge them. That's probably one of the most... And and also just assume that they know what they're doing and that they've done everything they can to avoid that happening and ask if they're okay. Yeah. And don't give them dagger looks and don't assume if they're doing handling it in a way that looks like might not be the right way that you know better because you don't don't know know what's happened that day, that week, that year and the whole context. So just trying to not be judgmental is of paramount importance and trying not to make assumptions. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Just trying to be a bit more empathetic and realising that everyone is going through their own, their yeah, own thing. Yeah, say, can I help? And I, yeah, I was about right? to say, I love that one. Are you one. okay? Yeah, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think that is a huge, huge, huge one because especially if you're by yourself in a shopping centre or whatever, like just someone offering a hand yeah. would make you just feel a little bit more okay with the situation yeah a bit more comfortable yeah totally like yeah because you do feel like everybody's just cursing you and they're probably not they're not just yeah something people build in their heads and stuff yeah but it's really interesting that this has come up actually in this Mm. chat because we weren't planning no (laughs) (laughs) but you know i've just recently written my oh uh, 
there's yeah it's I'm getting two things confused in my mind that's okay so I've put a lot of thought recently into why I do what I do and how you know it's really about about helping individuals for the collective good you know to create a better world at the yeah. end of the day and I think that well I I'm so sure that what these practices do as much as benefit us in terms of feeling less depressed or less anxious or thinking clearly is they reduce judgment and assumptions and that means that we get along with people better um, and we have more empathy and so you know and that creates a better world so and it's really once you, it's such a big can of worms when you open this can of worms and, and start meditating and learning about how the mind works because that's what happens when you start to meditate. You start to actually pay attention to yeah. how your mind works and understand how our minds work. And one of the biggest benefits from that is that you, you your judgment and, and part of meditation is bringing a non-judgmental attitude to whatever you're experiencing mm. and practicing non-judgment. Mm. And that also means that you end up making less assumptions. Mm. So it sort of all ties in. Yeah, and then an example of that is like, when I think about how I've meditated before, if I have a weird thought or just like something completely random, it's like, okay, that thought just happened, but that thought doesn't is not me. That's just a thought that's come up. So next thought, like, that's okay, that thought happened, whatever. Um, yeah, I like that one. I think that's, yeah, I, I, and I was going through a phase where I was meditating um, every day, like, 10 minutes, and I've stopped for a while because my routine's changed. Um, and so now I oh, want to yeah, get back into it. When my, yeah, that's it's a like, big barrier when you change routine yeah. habits fall change. by the wayside yeah so if you're ever going to change routine and you've got good habits anticipate that so you can build in build it in again a strategy to not let that derail but that's okay too yeah. like that's normal it's okay i know it's there yeah. i'm going to do something about it it's um to start and stop and start and stop until yeah. until you've done it enough and long enough that like you just don't stop because you need it right it's like, like i can't like even imagine life without it yeah i'd be a psycho even like before <laughs> before i came i was in the car and i did like a few minutes like just breathing but I, yeah i feel like once you start you often crave a moment where you're just by yourself focusing a little bit um stillness that stillness yeah so i think of it just oh, yeah I, I this is my favorite analogy yeah it's like with all the thoughts running through our brain all the time and, and how busy life is and, you know, all that, busy, 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 whatever, mm. um, it's you can't see the wood for the trees. Mm. And stopping and just stilling the mind a little by focusing on something as your breath so it's not jumping around quite as much as what it was, mm. which is why we focus on the breath or something else, depending mm. on the type meditation, um, is just like stepping into a clearing mm. so that you can see the wood for the trees you can gain perspective and then once you've sat in that clearing for a moment and got your bearings then you're ready to sort of mm. move on and yeah mm. with more clarity and yeah thank you for sharing That's that a little, little analogy that yeah i like it um i wanted to go into the fast five questions right okay so first question what are some of the little things you've implemented in life or in work that have led to significant positive changes? Uh, Other than meditation, because we spoke about <laughs> meditation a lot. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, it's got to be fast, doesn't it? Just, just, no, 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 it's all right. Take your time. Okay, take your time. all right. Um, yeah, going to bed early. Yeah. Gratitude practice. Yep. So I write down three things I'm grateful for morning and evening. Um, dance. Ooh. I've started hobby. dance lessons for the first time in my life at the wow. ripe old age of 49. So that's awesome. Um, Quickly going to ask, what kind of dancing is it? It's uh, contemporary. It's Ooh. hilarious. Like pop? Like contemporary <laughs> yeah, pop? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, cool. Yeah, so much fun. So Love it. Yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah. That's cool. Like um, and what what benefits has it given you doing these things? Uh, Gratitude dancing. Uh, it's just all about in, uh, like feeling elevating, elevating yourself. Like it, it's not a practice run. I want to be able to turn up in as best form as possible, and 
yeah, like it, it releases good neurotransmitters, all that stuff, and yeah. so bring it on. <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, next question: Who are your heroes? Okay, so um, the first one I will say would be Magda Sabansky, mm -hmm. and she's my hero because she's so brave. She's so raw and vulnerable in her, um, just in, she's so herself and, and um, she's really stuck her neck out for, in the, during the Yes Marriage Equality campaign. For someone who doesn't know her, yeah. would you mind talking So Magda is um, Sharon Streslecki from um, Kath and Kim. Yep. And, but she's so much more than that. So she was, she's considered by many to be the reason why the Yes campaign for marriage equality was so successful. Yeah. And she's incredibly um, well-known comedian for older people. <laughs> so, yeah, and she's hilarious. Uh, she's so much more than just Sharon Streslecki. She was a comedian for a very, very long time before that. Yeah. But she's also an author and her book is phenomenal. Yeah. So, yeah, it's called Reckoning. Yeah. And she's just brave because she's stuck her neck out. She gets a lot of abuse yeah. from trolls and she, you know, keeps keyboard, on keyboard warriors. advocating, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. So any others? Yeah, I so felt I like there was a few say, more. Um, That's a good one. I would say my best friend, Aww. Wendy. So she is just juggling a full-time job and she works in very very meaningful purpose-driven work so she works for a design consultancy that do a lot of humanitarian kind of work oh, okay. and but she's also very creative visually so she brings a lot of amazing creative ways to express information and educate people visually uh, but she, yeah I guess just makes herself available as a friend even though she's under a lot of pressure working full-time and managing the household and the kids and mm. you know just doing it well yeah so she's my hero any others or is that your last one that's probably i do have others but they're yep. not too biggest um what about your favorite book podcast or ted talk and why i've mentioned a couple of them already so reckoning by magda oh uh, yeah um Hurry Slowly. Oh, uh, yes, that was a podcast. Yeah. Yep. And I would have to say that the book that really changed my life completely was The Miracle of Mindfulness by um, Thich Nhat Hanh. Yep. So um, it, it was a book about mindfulness before I'd ever heard of the word. And it was actually given to me by my yoga mentor. And then it was like just life exploded. Changing. Like, And it was so weird because I didn't hear about mindfulness from that po popular explosion but it happened at exactly the same time wow so it's like collective consciousness stuff i reckon yeah yeah love it yeah. there's some good recommendations i like yeah, them it's good changed my life what's Lately. your pet peeve um dealing with government departments oh okay they really need to invest in user experience so as a carer with somebody with a child with a disability and um dealing with so carers stuff through Centrelink and um, the NDIS. It's just torturous. It's like poor, dealing with telcos. user or, experiences yeah. with big right. companies or governments. Government Fix your things. Are things you experience. Yeah. You talk to anyone who has to deal with them, they worst. take the cake. Yeah. <laughs> Someone go fix it. Pepe. All right. So if you were on death row, what would be your final meal? That's the last question. Chocolate mud cake with ice cream and cream. Oh, that was fast. <laughs> I didn't have to think about it. Ice cream that. and cream. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. That was really I great. I can't eat chocolate at the moment, which is so oh. annoying because my gut won't tolerate it. So is it the cacao? Let's see. No, is it the sugar or both? a long story. Uh, okay, <laughs> next podcast maybe we can talk about gut health. annoying <laughs> stuff. But really, yeah. like, stress plays a big role and the fact that my life, despite all the things that I do to reduce stress, has been very stressful after yeah. the, over the last few years, has played into that, no question. Yeah. And I, it's much, things are much better than what they yeah. have, but it's like devastating to me that I can't eat chocolate so. oh, but anyway if I was on death row I wouldn't have to deal with the consequences so I would just like pick out yeah. <laughs> what about what about a savoury dish would you go dinner and like what would be your savoury oh, I don't know um maybe lobster 
Oh my god, fabulous. Love it. Love it. Oh, thanks so much, Susie, for your time. My it was so thank good. You. Um, yeah, th- yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Of course, I'll put all the links um, on the show notes and I'll put your website link as well. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. I hope you were able to take away a few insightful nuggets from that episode. I hadn't come across the research that shows the shrinking of the amygdala due to meditation, so I'll definitely be sharing that with others. I'd love to know what you learned from this episode or what you found really valuable. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let's chat. Have a great day. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of Behind the Bee Box. My journey with Brainy Box has inspired me to share what I've learned from others with you in the hope it makes a positive difference to your life, business, or workplace. Your feedback and love is what keeps me going. So please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Brainy Box or connect with me on LinkedIn at Sherry Amami. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Have a wonderful week and I'll speak to you soon.